Empire. The impact of staying inside can be profound. And that was great until the weather got bad and the kids kept coming. And she realized, wow, being with me after school, being here is really the safe space for these kids. What else can I do with them? She was a poet. That was her art form of choice. And so she thought, hey, they like one thing I like. Maybe they'll be interested in something else. That's Bethany Henderson, network president of America Scores, who understands organized play is paramount to overall growth. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. In part three and our finale of our series about the state of youth sports, we're going to talk about the future. Our panel will discuss what they knew about the role of youth sports, what they've learned during the shutdowns due to the pandemic, and how better to organize when life returns to normal. This is part three of our series on youth sports, and today we are going to look into the societal impact, what's been happening this year, and hopefully what will change next year and the years forward with our guests, Bethany Henderson, Network President, America Scores, and the CEO of DC Scores, John Guzman, DC Scores alum and a current coach and director of strategy and logistics for the DC Public Schools, and CJ Beatty, who's a former professional baseball player and the CEO of Motivational Nuggets. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Bethany, let's start with you. Um, let's talk about America Scores. What is it? Sure. So America Scores is a youth development organization. We provide free after-school programming and summer camps centered around free soccer leagues. Every child on our soccer team also writes and performs original spoken word poetry with their soccer team and designs and carries out service projects with that same soccer team. So we're really a mind, body, soul program. We currently serve close to 13,000 children, ages kindergarten through eighth grade primarily across the U.S. and Canada. Um, can you talk about the origin of that? That That's an interesting mix of things for children to do. Can you, can you discuss what together? Absolutely. So America Scores was started by a school teacher about 25 years ago in Washington, D.C., not far from where Coach Guzman, who's with us today, actually joined Scores when he was a kid. And she noticed that a bunch of her fifth grade girls were hanging around the street corners after school, and it was not a neighborhood where that was a particularly safe option. And she said to them, hey, if you want to come hang out with me after school and play soccer, I'll teach you how to play soccer. So they did. She taught them how to play soccer. She got a couple of her friends at other schools to do the same. She was a Teach for America Corps member, and they had a nice little soccer thing going. And that was great until the weather got bad and the kids kept coming. And she realized, wow, being with me after school, being here is really the safe space for these kids. What else can I do with them? She was a poet. That was her art form of choice. And so she thought, hey, they like one thing I like. Maybe they'll be interested in something else. And pretty soon she found the trust and the bonds built between the kids and with her as their coach on the soccer field translated really well into that literary art form where kids were really opening up and being vulnerable about their fears, their hopes, their dreams, things that they were experiencing in their lives. And from there, Scores was born. A couple of years later, upon realizing that no one was ever asking these kids, hey, you see a problem. What do you want to do to fix it? You actually have the power to do something. She added service learning, and that model has stuck ever since. 
And John, uh, as Bethany mentioned, you uh, were part of DC Scores as a child. Can you take me back to that experience and what that was like? Yeah, um, I believe I joined when I was in fourth grade um, at Bancroft Elementary School. And at first, I didn't know much about DC Scores. And I think it was, it was very, very new. Um, Coach Franklin um, presented the program to us in an assembly. And I know that a lot of my friends joined. And I wanted to play alongside them. Um, so we were playing the soccer um, during recess every day. So why not play for, uh, for the school team? Um, so I wanted to play, you know, alongside my friends and, and, and potentially win some trophies if possible. Um, but I, overall, I just wanted to have fun uh, with my friends. And you are still part of it now. So can you kind of take us from then to now and why youth sports has remained an integral part of your life? So, yeah, I'm still, I'm still with DC Scores. Um, I'm coaching. I've been coaching with DC Scores for almost 14, uh, I believe 15 years now. Um, and it, it's been impactful um, in my life. I've gained a lot of um, self-confidence. Um, I wasn't a very confident kid um, growing up. I definitely wasn't a confident adult uh, when I got out of high school. Um, but once I started coaching and kids, you know, looked up to me and, and they um, wanted some guidance and mentorship. I provided that to them, and it provided some more confidence um, for me, and it boosted, um, you know, my confidence over time. You know, and it's it's very um, rewarding when you see your first <laughs> first team that you ever coach when you're like 19, 18, um, come back to you and thank you for opening their eyes to a sport that they didn't have interest in back, you know, in, in 2000. Um, soccer is relatively new in the state, um, so there isn't a lot of interest back then, um, but now there's definitely a lot of interest in it. And CJ, you ended up becoming a professional athlete. Um, can you take us back to your youth sports experience and what was that like? I mean, it was, I mean it's everything. Um, youth sports really it set the foundation for who I was going to become and who I am today. Um, I learned so many, I mean, so many valuable lessons. I mean, like John just said it, you know, people can come in uh, being more, uh, uh, just being more in the background, but youth sports can really teach you how to become that team player, uh, get out of your comfort zone to be able to be more of a leader. And it was a lot of things that I learned through youth sports growing up that really helped set the foundation for me being the motivational speaker, the life coach that I am today, because I had that key, that key component of a coach in my life that was saying, hey, you can't do things this, this way. Um, so I contribute a lot of my success to youth sports. Um, and let's talk about 2020, um, which has been obviously the most unusual year uh, that any of us have ex- experienced. And, and John, I want to start with your experience because you're you're literally on the ground coaching kids. Um, what's the experience been like with youth with youth sports essentially being shut down this past year? Yeah, um, I had my first complete virtual season. Um, we only had about. 12 or 13 kids, which is a third of what I normally have when we have in-person, um, you know, soccer or poetry sessions. Um, so that was, that was disappointing. Um, it was sad. I, I know that there was a lot of kids out there having technical issues and, and troubles and access to the internet. Um, so that opened up our eyes 
um, here at the school, that we have that technology gap um, that doesn't allow for a lot of students to access programs such as DC scores, um, you know, for extracurricular activities beyond the school day. So it's been rough. It's been rough for the school community. It's been rough in DC. Um, I know that DCPS um, school system that I work in, they've been trying hard to provide laptops and, and Wi-Fi and hotspots to all the students, but I still feel like we, we're, we're not reaching everyone. And, and I don't know if it's, um, you know, non-working economic situation that hasn't been resolved, I guess. Um, it's been tough. It's been tough for everyone, adults and students alike. And Bethany, um, can you kind of talk about the general overall experience? I'm sure that story is not something that's uncommon that you've heard of from other organizers around the country. Um, what has been the experience through your lens of COVID-19? One of the big challenges that we've had at SCORES, as John alluded to, is that a lot of the kids we work with were already at a disadvantage from a digital divide standpoint. They were already at a disadvantage from an access to sports standpoint. And our programming always, including in normal times, is 100% free. We don't charge kids or families. In fact, we kid out kids with everything that they need. And so through COVID-19, our focus as an organization has been on how do we keep our poet athletes, as we call them, feeling safe, supported, connected, and hopeful, knowing that unlike the pay-to-play leagues, we don't have the opportunity to bring kids together in the same way because we play on school grounds. And so a lot of the school grounds have been closed for organized sports. A lot of the public parks in some places have been closed for organized sports. And so that does involve we've brought kids together in person for socially distanced practices and activities when possible. And in some places around the country, that's possible. But in other places like D.C., it's had to be 100% virtual because of local health regulations. So we have been focusing on how do we reach kids wherever they are, sending poet-athlete kits home. So every kid is a soccer ball and cones and a jersey and a bag and a poetry book and activities, even if they can't log online with us. Doing both live synchronous workshops, which John has been talking about, Coach Guzman, and also asynchronous using the different mechanisms that kids look at, so certain social media outlets, uh, the school digital platforms for schools that have it integrated into digital platforms. And then also coach calls, encouraging our coaches to reach out and call families and connect with them in different ways and delivering kits to school meal pickup and uh, educational pickup sites so that even if the kids can't join a team practice, they still know that they're connected to scores, that scores is providing, we're trying to provide materials for them so they still have that feeling of belonging because that sense of social isolation on top of the loss of physical activity is tremendously debilitating for the kids that we work with right now. CJ, what's your view of it? How, how have you kind of seen this manifest throughout the year as kids and leagues try to survive through COVID-19? You know, when, when the pandemic hit, it was, I knew it was going to take a toll and it is still mentally. I mean, let alone on the adults, because everybody's scrambling at this point. And what really got me involved in, uh, you know, with Matt and what's going on with youth sports is because I didn't know until the pandemic hit how important youth sports was, how important having that type of structure. You know, you don't understand um, how important something is until it's basically gone. And to be able to see uh, kids be stuck at home, you know, 
growing up, you would just say, oh, man, that's ideal, man. I get to be at home and, you know, I'm in my room, I'm in my fun zone. But it's the way I've been explaining it, it's like being locked in a candy store. Your first 15 minutes in there, you're, you're excited. You're like, oh, shoot, like, I like this candy, I like this candy. But you can't live on candy. You can't live on video games. You, you got to get out. You need to have that interaction. And our kids, our youth are suffering during this pandemic because things like youth sports are not in place where they can learn the value, the values of life or learn leadership, learn uh, about being a great teammate, how to interact well with others, dealing with adversities and, and the things that you need when it comes to forming who you are. You know, so I've been able to see, because I'm used to traveling 20, 15 to 20 times a year, speaking to youth organizations, speaking to travel ball, baseball teams, basketball, the whole thing. But now the digital, it's basically putting the kids in position at an early age to say, let's do this at the college type level where you got to log on and you got to be able to, to, to make sure you stay focused as a middle schooler, like it's college prep. It's been tough. It's stressful. And we feel for the kids. But the one thing that we have in place are these initiatives that are trying to come together to figure out how we can bridge the gap and really highlight why youth sports is important so people can understand that that's what we can use as a resource to combat, you know, the kids and their mental health at this point. So, John, talk to me in real time the adjustments that you tried to make. Um Obviously, as CJ was kind of describing, I think we all were in disbelief in the early spring that this was happening to all of us. And I don't know if anyone could be prepared for what the ramifications would be of this happening. As the months went by, how were you adjusting to stay connected to the kids you were typically coaching? Um, we, we, we've had to use multiple communication channels um and, and that involves social media um not really heavy into social media but i, I started being more active in, in social media um also creating like communication channels like whatsapp and, and utilizing those um chat features and, and telegram i think we, we used the telegram group to reach another set of parents that we were unable to reach through whatsapp so there's, there's like a hot like a mixture of things that we had to do to reach out to all 32 kids um, and half of them told me flat out like I can't let my child be in front of a, a computer screen for another hour. Um, they had concerns about what you know what I could do to the child's health. Um, so there, there's a lot of like debunking um, myths and, and, and mysteries here for parents. Um, there are some like I guess theories out there that being online all day will affect a child's social and emotional well-being and and, and it might be true we don't know we, we've never experienced this um so it, it's been it's been tough um trying to gauge and modify programming as, as much as you can because you don't know you don't know if it's working um you might see one new face the next week oh so that worked um, or you just don't see any new faces, and, and, and now you got to reinvent um, another way of reaching out to these kids and, and, and telling them to, you know, stay in contact. Bethany, organizationally, what were the pivots you were going through as it became clear into the spring that this was not going to end anytime soon? So we, 
I feel like every day we adjust in real time because every day something is changing. And because we work across jurisdictions, across school districts, across states, it's different on the ground everywhere. And that's true for education in general. We know the education systems in our country are diffuse. But because the COVID-19 response has been uh, so localized, it's been different everywhere that we've operated. Our focus has been keeping that North Star that I said before, keeping kids feeling safe, supported, connected, and hopeful. And so everything we have been doing has been adapting to that. Rather than planning for the full year out, like we would normally have the full year, we run four seasons of programming, planned a year in advance. We're taking it season by season. We're adjusting literally within any particular week or month or practice based on the real-time feedback that we're getting from families and from coaches about what is possible about what is not working and what is working. And we're really uh, doing our best to get youth voice, family voice, coach voice in the mix, really understanding on the ground rather than saying, here's our programming, let's just take it virtual and hope folks show up. Really reaching out to our stakeholders and saying, what can we do to really help you right now? In some of our communities, that means staff and coaches have shifted from delivering soccer workshops, delivering and coordinating grocery store gift cards. Uh, you know, we work with families that are by and large well below the poverty line. Uh, in some of our communities, that is uh, translated into staff shifting to run school support in school buildings that are actually open for a limited number of kids. We've also opened up our online programming to make it accessible to all kids, not just those kids traditionally in scores. And we've had kids as far away as India and the United Kingdom access and use our programming and send us back poems that they have written. Uh, as a result of it, again, the goal being how do we keep kids connected and, and maintain mental health and resilience during this crazy time? All right. So let's be optimistic. Time that we're taping this, there are actual vaccines being administered. So hopefully next year at some point, we're going to start to get back to normal. Fields will open up. Leagues will open up. Kids will be back and active again. Um, CJ, as you look ahead to 2021 and beyond, how do you kind of view the role of youth sports and what are some of the changes that may come to how they are organized based on what we've gone through here in 2020? You know, I, I really think, um, you know, from a youth sports, you know, with coaching and being involved a bunch, especially in the baseball, softball, youth sports arena, I really think that this has brought everybody back to the basics. I really think it has. Uh, going into 2021, you know, parents are coming out when it's, when it's okay. I think 2021, people are looking for more fundamentals. You know, this has led us to be on the Zoom calls with teams talking about routines and approaches. And pre, pre-pandemic, it was just more reps, reps, reps. So I think 2021, as long as, you know, we continue to do what we're supposed to do and being optimistic about the vaccine, I think coming out of this, there's going to be some life. Um, but it's going to have to take, to have to take a team effort of, of, of everybody to understand that, that if, if we come together as one and do what we're supposed to do as far as the fundamentals, then we'll come out of this better than we were before because we had to find the finer things. Think about it outside of youth sports and outside of everything. Being inside has brought some people closer than they were before the pandemic hit. You know, because you start to realize the most important things in life is the family and the ones that are close to your loved ones. And I just know intimately camps have been up and things like that because people are wanting out the house. So I think 2021 
when things start to open is people are going to be looking for more things when it comes to youth sports. And we just have to make sure we're in place to be able to catch them all once people start to scatter, once they leave the houses. And if youth sports can connect them and be ready, then I think this could turn out to be something beautiful once, once the storm is passed. John, for you, how do you view 2021 and beyond? I'm, I'm very optimistic. Um, I know that the district is working hard at giving vaccines out to teachers and staff um, in their second wave of vaccines. So that will open up more schools and more classrooms and, and provide more children access to the buildings and the fields. Um, I do hope seeing my team in the spring. Um, it's about three, four months away, and and I, and I know that my team is eager to be on the field back again. But I know for sure, um, fall 2021, it'll it'll be somewhat normal. I think there's going to be a new normal, and, and we're just going to have to get used to it. And Bethany will give you the final word. Um, what do you see in What do you see in 2021 moving forward? I, I'm also optimistic that come fall 2021, we'll have something semi-normal. And we've pushed back for as many of our spring seasons to be as late as possible in the hopes that kids will be able to play together outdoors again in some sort of league play. But for me, I hope, the, to me, the most important thing I hope comes out of this pandemic is a rethinking of the purpose and value of youth, co- youth sports coaches. Because coaches like Coach Guzman are the ones on the ground working with the kids, supporting them through processing this collective trauma that we have all been through and in sports is competition. And so a lot of that trauma is actually going to come out on the playing field. And the best thing that we as a country can do is make sure that our coaches are trained to handle that and help our kids move forward and use the power of sport to process that trauma constructively. Our guests have been Bethany Henderson, the network president, America scores and the CEO of DC scores, John Guzman, DC scores alum and a current coach and director of strategy and logistics for the Washington DC public schools and CG CJ Beatty, who is a former baseball player, CEO of motivational nuggets. Who's a motivational speaker for youth baseball and softball players all over the country. Thank you to all three of you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. A special thank you to League Apps for helping organize this three-part series on the state of youth sports. You can check out parts one and two, which came out earlier this week. Go check them out at leagueapps.com. On the next Future Sport Podcast, it's playoff time in the NFL, and the broadcasts are going to be more data-driven than ever. Just think about how you can match, you know, passing velocity, rotational information, weather conditions. Uh, by, you know, by uh, uh, magic to specific pass routes uh, where the passes are attempted and completed. You can get really excited about the types of information that you can put together and then armed with that information, the experts on the staff can really go to town in terms of, you know, teaching tools, reference tools to help develop the player. That's John Pollard, head of sports at Zebra Technologies, the force behind the NFL's next-gen stats. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.